Welcome back to Focus. Thanks for joining me. I'm Ron Sisko. And, um, God, you know, my favorite movie, I, I think everybody kind of keeps like a running tally of what their favorite movies are. But my favorite movie of all time is currently La La Land, which I know seems like comes out of nowhere. But it makes sense if you know me. I, uh, my favorite thing in movies is when you get to kind of choose your own interpretation of the ending. Um, Blade Runner is another one of those top ones. 2049 is actually to me better than the the original uh although i i love the original and uh and the new one definitely has some pacing issues i I get that um but you know that's it's what i enjoy not necessarily what everybody enjoys what i what i enjoy at about uh blade runner is that uh you get to choose the ending and it's it's just as simple as is uh is Deckard a replicant or not? And there can be a, a discussion about that. And I've, I've heard all the narrative discussions about whether or not Deckard is a replicant. And obviously some people dis- disagree with that. Um, and I, I personally believe that De- Deckard is a replicant. Um, and it's not just because of the evidence presented. Uh, like from a narrative standpoint, it makes sense to me. I know that people don't always agree with that. That's fine. But why La La Land? And that's a great question, especially since I'm not a person who's necessarily in the industry. I've done a little bit of voice acting, not a lot. Um, would love to do more. But but that's that's not it. You know, it's it, to me, despite the fact that this is all an ode to Hollywood and, and somebody don't some a lot of people don't look at that as a, a wonderful thing, especially if you're not a big fan of Hollywood in general, especially if you don't like the liberal agenda as it's constantly described to me. La La Land is not a love story as much as it's a reality story. La La Land is the uh, bleak projection of the Hollywood dream over what happens to people in reality. People are insecure. People are um, always in need of love and support. And people are, for some reason or another, always finding a way to complicate that. And that, that is the base of La La Land. Um, La La Land stars Baby Goose and Emma Stone. Stone? I think Stone. Um, and they're, they're very, very likable people. And um, especially uh, Baby Goose's absolute love of jazz and his, his performance on the piano is incredible. And he actually played the piano. I wouldn't say he learned how to play the piano as much as he learned how to play those songs on the piano. And he's still incredible. La La Land's musical cues give away the ending of the movie before the uh, the movie's even close to beginning, really. And it's it's pretty pretty crazy. I love everything about this movie pretty much, which makes it my favorite film. And I think that's fine. Um, I know that my wife likes it, but she didn't love it the way I do. And I know that uh, my wife's friend hates it because she thought it was horribly depressing. So at this point, I would say, spoiler alert, uh, if you haven't watched La La Land and you're very interested in it at this point, stop this, watch the movie, and uh, and see where it goes. Maybe you hate it, maybe you love it. I'd love to hear what you say. Um, but just the same, here we go. Uh, La La Land, um, man, I guess I'll just sum it up. Like these two people, they meet at the crossroads in their life where they're both ready to give up on their dream. And uh, something that they do kind of takes them down a whirlwind whirlwind and they make all these mistakes with each other just constantly and it comes from insecurities both of them come from places of insecurity one of them comes from a place where she's ready to um, give up because she doesn't feel good enough and it's it's terrible because you watch her try and try and 
And, uh, and she clearly has the ability. She has the chops, but she's just not being paid attention to because that's Hollywood. And the other one is, uh, is the last bastion of a dying art. And, uh, and he feels ready to give up on the world, but he's not ready to give up on the art. Things happen. I won't get into it, but they end up, um, ending up at the end up at a crossroads, uh, toward the end of the movie where, um, you know, he's, he said some terrible things and she's, she's given up on him and she's given up on herself and she goes back home and she, she takes her ball and goes home. And, uh, and it turns out that, um, that, uh, some Hollywood producer wants her to do an audition for her. She wants her to do an audition and, uh, and it's not that, you know, she's going to get ignored this time. So it's her one last chance and it works out. And we're teased with this, uh, life, you know, after she's famous and she's doing the same things that Hollywood people did to her when she was working in a coffee shop and she's, um, taking care of her kids and she's getting ready to go out with her husband who's not baby goose. And, and that's the surprise. That's the twist. And for my friend, my uh, wife's friend, probably the dagger, um, they go out, they decide to skip their plans and go out to a club, which happens to be baby goose's club. And, um, and Gwen Stacy and, and her husband go sit down and he sees them and he decides to play their relationship ballad, I guess, if you want to describe it that way. And, and he, uh, he plays it and it's very emotional and like, it's heart wrenching actually, I think is the word I'm going to use. And then you're treated to uh, a sequence where, um, in, in the music that he plays for her, he prays, he plays the idealized version of their lives because earlier in the, in the show, the, the song that he plays kind of, um, foreshadows that they're in a relationship together and they, you know, the melody and the harmony work together for a while. They come, you know, they come together after a little tur- turbulence and then they, uh, they work together for a while and then they split up and they go in their different directions, just like they do in the movie. And in, in the, uh, the sequence that we get te- uh, treated to there, he, he plays the song where instead of their relationship as it was, it's the idealized version of their relationship where they don't make the mistakes that they made along the way that got them to where they were. And because you're, you're so invested in them and they use all these, you know, filming tricks like old Hollywood used to, but you're so invested in them um, because you just like them. They're both likable characters and they're both filled out likable characters. They're both likable people, I think. And, uh, and you would love to see them together. And you get a tease of that. You get a, you get a small treatment of what that would be like if they were together, if they had fixed their, their lives and, and everything was perfect. And, uh, and he, he plays that, he, he imagines that and he, he conveys that to her. The song ends with him just playing alone with one hand, which is pretty obviously the symbolism for him being alone, um, as, as, as it is. And, uh, and you're left to a quiet crowd and, you, you know, um, <laughs> Gwen Stacy's sitting there and they're both, he's looking at the piano. He's trying to, to cut himself out of, out of the emotion of the situation. And, uh, and she's looking at him trying to figure out what he's thinking. And her husband, who I'm sure is a stand up guy, 
but you're not you're not rooting for him at this time. He's like, do you, you want to stay for another one? She's like, nah, we should go. So they start leaving. And uh, as she turns around, they both catch eyes with each other. Now, this is where I think your interpretations in the movie really vary. And the reason I like this is because it, how you interpret the movie, I think, depends on how you feel about relationships, or at least your mental state at that point, uh, how, how at peace you are with the relationships you've been in in the past are. You, you know, if, if it's messy, you're probably looking at the situation and thinking about all of those terrible situations that you wish you could have had done over again or that the person could have tre- treated you better. There's, you know, any number of things that you would love to say. Or, or maybe you're over it. Maybe you're, maybe you're just at peace with the way things were and that you wish things could have gone better, um, but, but that you're happy for them and that you, you hope they have a great life and, and you're just working on you. And, um, and they, meet, they, meet, they meet eyes, and in the way I interpret it, in the way I see it, they meet eyes, and he smiles first to let her know that he's okay. And she smiles back just to, to say, you know, thank you. And, and you know, not, not thank you for the song, but like thank you for the experience. Thank you for, for all of the things that we've done together. Thank you for, for teaching me uh, all of the things that you've been able to teach me through our experiences together. And I think that's a very healthy way of looking at a relationship. And then he moves on to the next song and that's, that's the end of the movie. I, um, I like that. I can take that away from it because that's where I am in my life. I look back on my past relationships and, uh, and I look at my past partners and I think that I, I hope that in the future they'll find nothing but happiness. I hope that, that everything for them goes great. And I, I hope it doesn't include me. My wife's friend thought the ending was terrible. She's like, why didn't they end up together? And it was so depressing that they didn't end up together and they, you know, that they ended things that way. And why, you know, why, why couldn't they have an, a Hollywood ending? And, you know, that's the irony of it, that a movie about La La Land is about not having the Hollywood ending, despite the fact that it all working out so wonderfully for them both. But that's that's not my reality. That's not your reality, and that's that's not how things work. So I think your mental state in the moment might change the way you interpret that movie. People lauded that, especially people in Hollywood. They love that expression of the experience of being in Hollywood. No matter how talented you are, no matter how beautiful you are, you you could be very easily ignored just because you're not front and center. You're not the big name. You're not what people were looking for. You were being interviewed because people were hoping something bigger was coming along. I could see that there'd be a message there for the starving artist that there's um there's the 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 idea of being in Hollywood is is uh, a, a dream for a lot of people who believe that if they could just there get their one chance that they'll they'll succeed and uh, there's people that are going to take away from that that you need to manufacture your chances there are t- people who will take away from that that sometimes selling out is what you need to do to, to make your dreams happen. And there are other people who, who take from that, that there are, there's a kind of hopelessness there that um, most of us won't make it because that's, that's the truth about uh, Hollywood. That's the truth about most things in life. In order to be the top, you do have to work hard. Opportunities aren't things that show up just because you were there. Um, at least not for most of us. 
but those those opportunities still go to the one percent of the one percent of the one percent the the most talented of the most talented of the most talented are the only ones who get to see true success and and there's a truth to to definitely the 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 thought that anytime you put yourself out especially when it's art um but but any any time that you you take something with passion, every time you you express yourself in that way, that the way that, that you open your heart up to people, to you you show them this is the thing that I love. The the feeling of rejection is always close at hand, and it doesn't matter how used to rejection you are. It doesn't matter how hard you're used to climbing, and it doesn't matter what your what your grind is. You know that one day, until you get a yes you're that much closer to to just finally packing up and going home. I love movies. I see movies a lot. And uh, sometimes I see movies that, that I don't expect. Like, I didn't know what to expect with La La Land. I don't, I don't watch trailers anymore. I just knew that my wife wanted to see it. And, uh, and I know that the people we went to see it with, we, we went with a couple of friends, they didn't really love it. They, they thought it was okay. And, uh, and I know that I felt like La La Land definitely deserved... Uh, best picture, but but it didn't win. Um, so not everybody feels that way, and that's fine. That's fine. I'm not upset about that, and uh, I don't expect you to understand that. I just I wanted to express to you why I appreciate something like that. In in art, I've always struggled with with how I feel about people interpreting their own messages, and I think I've stopped being able to struggle with that because the truth is, there's nothing that we do in in our world more important than art and i know that if you're coming from the conservative side of things which is really terrible that art has been politicized right but uh, that you might be looking at that and saying oh that's just another liberal hippy dippy whatever but but no hear me out art is one of those few things that we do and we all do it in some way that 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 doesn't relate to our survival that doesn't relate to our our um i guess primal needs um we play, and in a lot of ways, playing comes from the ability to hunt or, you know, staying healthy athletically, uh, although that seems to be a source of income for some of us as well. But but for the most part, everything we do is, is food or shelter motivated or health. And art, art is our, our outlet away from that. The expression doesn't have to necessarily be a message, but the conveyance of that message it doesn't have to speak directly to the audience, but it it should in find some way to find a message for them. In the same way that a lot of us make fun of those expressionist paintings where uh, nothing makes any sense. It's just a bunch of shapes or scribbles or, or just paint thrown across a canvas. In, in some cases, yeah, it's just paint thrown across a canvas, but for somebody to approach it and feel that it has meaning to them is something special and something that I, I don't think any other creature does, at least not on this planet. We are cursed with the need to find meaning in our lives. And some of us are, are cursed with the need to express some form of meaning. And what, whatever that meaning is, um, and whatever outlet they find for that, if it's music or, or art, or in, in my mind, athleticism is actually an expression of art in a lot of ways. I, I guess I don't find any, um, I, I personally don't find the same expression of art in, in like professional 
sports. I feel like that's in that that's you know Marvel movies basically, where you can still do something. You can do something great. You can you can make something interesting, but you're not you're not doing anything special. You're just conveying the story in that same way like professional sports like baseball and football uh you're you're not nobody there is trying to um to to create some sort of um new achievement longevity is the name of the game it's not it's not about breaking records it's not about um pushing until you break and i'm not saying that that doesn't have its place I just feel like it's it's slightly different than than what I'm trying to express here. In in that same way, looking at people who go to the Olympics, who push themselves to the limit daily, trying to trying to make their performance matter on the day that it matters, is is beautiful and terrifying and awful and sad, and and when it works out, it it's special. That moment is special. It's immortal. How many times have people beaten the world record two weeks before race day and then when race day came, blew out their hamstring? If you're a person who's endowed with that kind of creative passion, uh, art art especially, I, I'm not necessarily comparing what I do here or what I'm doing in my other projects to that, but, but just in general, you probably look at those things and you, 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 um, you kind of find solace in that same expression that that you sit and you you don't necessarily wallow but you feel compelled to push yourself to do something and sometimes you can't find the inspiration and that's part of the the game the the reality there but but sometimes um you you feel so bottled up and the explosion of creativity is is so uh you 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 know you feel like a dam and and there's just everything in the world behind you and there's nothing you can do except to to let out what it is that that you've trained yourself to let out everything we do as people every every accomplishment every task every expression comes from uh, practice from exposure to to what it is that you're attempting to accomplish to to your ambitions to the muscle memory and i, I talk about muscle memory a lot but the muscle memory of doing something is so important because it's, it's one less part to the equation. For once, I'm not going to relate this to a shooting metaphor. I'm going to actually talk about writing. I, I know a few writers. I would like to say I'm a writer myself. It's not necessarily true. I'm currently stuck on a script. But what I do know is that if you are a professional writer, there are times of the day that you sit down and you write. And it doesn't matter what you're writing. It doesn't matter how you, or you're writing it or what it's related to, or if it's even on the project that you're working on. You write. You say, from 2 p.m. to 5 p.m., I am writing today. I will sit down on my computer. I will listen to something or nothing. I will use exactly this program, or I will use this pad and paper, and I will write. During those three hours, I will churn out 1,500 words or 2,000 words, or 500 words. I don't know where you're aiming at, but you'll, you'll accomplish that every single day so that instead of worrying about writing only when you're feeling creative, you have a spot there that when you are creative, you're ready to interpret. And I know that's tough for me because I'm, I think I'm depressed, so instead of writing, I nap. 
Instead of uh, recording the podcast that I need to be recording, I, I nap. Instead of streaming, I nap. And that's a personal challenge. We, we all deal with that in different ways. And, uh, and I really wish people would stop telling each other how to deal with things. Some people can't shake it off. Some people can't just be happy. And, um, and some people can't just, just reinterpret their feelings. Sure, I've come a long way from my favorite movie, huh? But believe it or not, I, I actually plan a lot of these things out. There have been the odd podcast where I kind of get distracted and I end up talking about what I want to talk about instead of what I plan to talk about. But no, no, we're here um, because, because I think, believe it or not, I actually landed in the place that I wanted to land. Um, the reason I started talking about my favorite movie and interpretation and expression and need is because this is actually a part two to interpreting your own signs. You see, in, in, uh, in, in the movies that I love, I watch them again and again because I like to track where I, I feel myself um, interpreting something different. Uh, I like to, to see what signs are more relevant to me now than they were before uh, Inception is one of my favorite movies as well. I think that's actually number three. Number two and number three, that bounces around. Um, but but Inception is full of all kinds of symbolism. And, uh, and what you find important in that symbolism, I think, speaks to who you are and where you are at that point in your life. I think when you look at art... When you experience art, whether it's music, and I, I definitely expect music to be one of those things that you look back on now and you, you kind of change the way you look at some of the music you listen to, where you are in your life changes how you feel about that music. I feel that art is expressive and it's also impressive in a way where it, it makes a stamp on you and you, it's kind of like a milestone where you can come back and, and see where, where you've grown and how things have changed for you. One of the reasons that I feel that art is so important is that we can bring, you know, keep that barometer, not just for ourselves, but for people in the future. And then we can take a look back. And that's like when, when you think of uh, all of the records that we have, how much of it is just left to impermanent interpretation. Um, before the invention of photography, we worked on paintings and before the invention of paintings, we worked on cave paintings because we can read written accounts, but written accounts don't tell you the whole story. They don't even tell you how accurate something is and corroborating that evidence across media makes such a huge difference. You can see what's truth and what's fiction. You can see what was possible, what people dreamed of, and you can see where people were. And we have so much data collected for everything, everything, every thought that some people have are on their Twitter accounts, every outfit that they've ever worn or on their Instagrams. But the problem with, with looking at someone's social media to determine how they felt and what the attitudes are is that it's imperfect. The things expressed on social media don't don't speak to the reality of a person. They, they're fabricated, they're collated, they're curated. There's a character 
for each of us. And if, if we, if we, if you were capable of looking at all your thoughts and then just expressing them on Twitter, even if everyone was self-aware of how different we are from moment to moment, you would look insane. And some of us do. I like to go back and listen to music that I listened to when I was a younger person, man, sometimes a child, other times. I like to think about the first time I listened to it and then every time I listened to it growing up. I like to um, check in with myself on certain pieces of music. There's music that I know for a fact I've outgrown that I, I don't enjoy anymore, that I still listen to now because I want to understand where I am compared to where I was. I think looking back on it, pop music is probably the, the biggest uh, uh, change where we, we abandon that. That's, that's something that, that goes into the past and we don't come back to it until a, a high school reunion or, or something equally embarrassing. If you look at um, Vitamin C's graduation song, which if you're close to my age was probably your actual graduation song, you probably haven't listened to it since you graduated high school. But why don't you do that? Why don't you go back, listen to the song that played for your graduation, and, um, and remember how, how that felt. I, I listened to um, Tears for Fears, um, what, what is the name of the album? Elemental, which was um, when Kurt Smith left Tears for Fears. Uh, Elemental was, I think, 1996, I think. That's just off the top of my head. I should look it up, but I'm too lazy. And I remember listening to Elemental the first time I read Being a Green Mother by Piers Anthony. Uh, the Incarnations of Immortality books are pretty amazing until the later books when they get kind of disgusting. So I'll just leave it at that. But I remember, I remember how it felt to lay in my bedroom, to listen on the cheap, crappy $99 Target special CD player, three-disc three, three disc CD changer that I had sitting up on my wall reading this amazing book about the inner incarnation of nature. I remember what it felt like to be um, a testosterone-filled, hormone-confused, too-smart-for-his-own-good teenager with a big mouth and, uh, and nothing but time. I remember the sound of the traffic outside. Um, I remember the sound of the air conditioning kicking on because just outside of my window was the central air conditioner. I remember the smell of that, that um, the, uh, the, the cut grass smell. I, I don't think I have a word for it. But I, I remember like the smell of, of when the uh, association had people come through to cut grass because I remember very specifically it was fall. I remember the name of the guy who uh, who got me into those books in the first place. His name was Zach. I remember. I remember the name of the street. I remember. I remember the sound of my my um, my cousin's dog because she had visited from Korea, and in order to make her less lonely, my parents got her a dog because that's that's a responsible decision. All of those all of those moments are trapped in the pages of those books. And, and in the songs, the sound of the songs, the lyrics, if I listen to a live version of the songs, I don't feel the same way I do listening to the albums. Anyway, I think my point's been made. I think, I think um, if you're listening to this still, 
if you're not if you hadn't tuned out in the middle of my description about uh, La La Land, you probably realized that there is something about the way you watch movies. There's something about the way you watch old movies over and over again. There's something ab- about the way that you uh, approach your favorite movies and and how you feel when you watch them. Same thing with music. Same thing with paintings and photography and everything expression is is there and it doesn't stop there it could stop in the media you know some people can't listen to the audio from the challenger explosion some people some people can't listen to recent media that all has meaning for us so i hope i hope the next time you listen to something that you'll take a minute to to stop and listen to to something that used to mean something to you, to to your favorite album when you were 16, to to the album that your mom got you for your birthday when you were eight, to your first, I don't know, cassette. My first cassette was um, Fleetwood Mac's Behind the Mask because it was $2.99 at the grocery store. I'm also old enough to have purchased a cassette. But go back. Go go look at those things. Watch your favorite movies. Go, go, go watch, like, I've seen Terminator 2 150 times, and every time I feel like it's 1992 all over again. Play your favorite games, games from when you were a child. My, my wife uh, loves um, strategy games, and it's just, it's kind of adorable to watch her play and get frustrated the same way that she probably was frustrated when she was a child playing those games. And I know that when I revisit the games that I played when I was a child, I just get frustrated because I can't beat them anymore. But still, eternal youth is there. And I hope you get to experience it again. Thanks for listening.